0: Last week, we kicked off uh, a new teaching series going through the book of Jonah, and I warned you last week, this story is crazy. It sounds absurd. It sounds ridiculous. It's almost hard to believe that, that this story could possibly be true, but as I mentioned last week, the reason that I believe in the story of Jonah, the reason that I believe it's true is very simple. I believe it because Jesus did. Jesus believed that the story of Jonah was a literal, historical event. And I want to have the same view of the story of Jonah that that Jesus did. And last week, and week one, we saw God come to Jonah with this command. It was a simple command. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach against it. Because this city is completely out of control. It's gone over the deep end. Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh, and I need you to preach against it. But rather than obeying God, rather than listening to him, Jonah says, nah, I'm good. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to run away from God. And he gets on a ship, and he leaves for the furthest possible place he can think of. He flees the country. Jonah takes off, and he's hoping and thinking God's just going to forget about him. God's going to find somebody else for the job. But God doesn't forget about Jonah. God doesn't let him off that easy. God actually sends a storm against Jonah. He sends a storm against the, the ship that Jonah's on. And this storm, it's getting ready to destroy the ship, destroy all the lives of the people on it. And Jonah knows, this is my fault. This is God coming after me. This is God trying to get my attention. He tells the other men on the ship, the only way you're going to survive is if you just throw me overboard. like that, That's your only chance of survival. So reluctantly, they they throw Jonah overboard, and immediately the the sea and the storm, it becomes calm, and Jonah, he's left there to drown. And that's where we left off last week, and in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, the final verse of the first chapter, it says this, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. This is what I was talking about. It's crazy, it's absurd, it's hard to believe, and then it says this, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to try to picture this. I think sometimes we read this and we just kind of skip past it. This is not a three-night stay in a Marriott hotel. This isn't three days, three nights at a little country bed and breakfast where they bring you, you know, the food in the morning and, and change your linens. This is three days and three nights inside of a fish. It's dark. It smells. There's stuff moving around. Like, it's it's completely disgusting. And I was trying to think about, okay, what would that be like today? What would it be like to to be inside of a fish? And the closest thing that I could think of was was this. It will be on the screen behind me. A middle school guy's cabin from camp. I think that's the closest equivalent to spending three days and three nights inside a belly of a fish. In this room, you have all kinds of different smells. Smells that you you've probably never encountered before. You have things that are that are growing, things that are 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 moving. It's completely disgusting, and if you turn off the light, if it went completely dark in there, that's essentially where Jonah found himself for three days and three nights, surrounded by a bunch of middle school boys in their cabin. I mean, this is a terrible situation. It's dark. It's gross. He's all alone. All right, you can go ahead and take it off because I'm sure (laughs) they'll just keep staring at that for the rest of the time. So Jonah, he's in in, in this fish and I'm, I, I'm sure he's thinking, like, how is this going to end? Like, how am I going to, to possibly get out of here? He, he, he's completely trapped. There's no way out. And I'm sure in his head he's probably thinking, it would have been better if I had just drowned. Like, this is the worst possible situation. It could not get worse than this. It would have been better if I had just died. But here I am. I'm stuck inside this fish, and I don't know how I'm ever going to get out. But you see, it's inside this fish that God begins to work on Jonah. You see, Jonah had put up all of these walls in his life. He had been resisting God, he had been trying to keep God at a distance. And as Jonah continued to resist God and put up these walls, over time, Jonah's heart began to become hardened against God. He resisted God. He tried to keep him at a distance. And I'm sure that now being stuck inside a fish has only made it worse. He's angry with God. God, why would you do this? Why would you let this happen? He's doubting and questioning God. He's afraid. He doesn't know what's going to happen. He's alone. He's isolated. Jonah has found himself in what I'm going to call a season of discomfort. He's found himself in a season of discomfort. And and I just wonder, have you ever been there? Not inside a, a fish, but have you ever been stuck in a season of discomfort? Where life was difficult. Where life was painful. Where life was uncertain. It was just a tough and uncomfortable season of life. Maybe you find yourself there right now. You find yourself in this season of life where you are just overwhelmed with anxiousness. You're anxious about the future. You're anxious about your current situation. Your mind is always racing. It's always going. You can't turn it off. You're filled with worry. You feel it in in your heart. You feel it in, in your body like you just can't shut it off. You're just overwhelmed with anxiousness. Maybe for some of you, you're you're in a season of life where there's just constant turmoil at home. And you're just caught in the middle of it. Like at the end of the day, you do not look forward to going home. There's something going on with a sibling. There's something going on with a parent. Maybe your your family's splitting up right now. And you're just caught in this turmoil. You're overwhelmed by it. Maybe for you right now, you're in a season of life where there's, there's some relational conflict. You and a close friend, your, your, your relationship has fallen apart. Or you had a group of friends, they just kind of left you, they kind of abandoned you. You feel hurt, you feel betrayed, or you have, have an issue with somebody. Maybe for you, your, your family right now, you're walking through the, the middle of a, of a health crisis. There was some kind of diagnosis, and there's just so much uncertainty around it. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to end. You're stuck in this season of discomfort. And you know, sometimes these seasons in life, they're the result of our own actions. Like Jonah, we did something, we made a decision, and now we're dealing with the consequences for our actions. We're facing the the consequences for a poor decision that we made. Sometimes we're in this, this season of life because somebody else made a decision. Somebody else did something, and now we have to deal with the consequences of their actions. And sometimes, nobody caused it. It's not your fault. It's not somebody else's fault. Life is just difficult. It's outside of anybody's control. You're in the season of discomfort, but regardless of why you find yourself there, there's a temptation during these times in life to try to push God away, to turn from God, to resist God, to run from God, to become angry and frustrated with him, and to put up walls to try to keep God out. But what we're going to see tonight through the story of Jonah is this. Here's kind of our main idea, is that God uses seasons of discomfort to break us and lead us to repentance. God uses the seasons of discomfort that we go through in life to break us and lead us to repentance. What does it mean for God to break you? Doesn't sound very pleasant. Doesn't sound very fun. For God to break you, what that means is that he strips away your, your pride. He strips away your self-reliance. He takes away those things that you look to for comfort and security, and he brings you to a place of complete and total dependence, where all you have left is God. That's what it means for God to break you. And this is exactly what we see God doing with Jonah. God leads Jonah into this season of discomfort the season of pain, the season of uncertainty where he has nowhere else to turn. He's got nobody to to call out to. He's got nothing to rescue him. All Jonah has left is God. And it's in this place, in this season of discomfort, inside this fish, that God begins to break Jonah. He begins to, to tear down the walls that Jonah's put up. He begins to soften his heart. It's this slow, messy, painful process. But look what happens. Jonah chapter two, verse one. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Jonah finally turns back to God. But notice, where does Jonah cry out from? Where does Jonah finally turn back to God from? Is it from the boat? Is it from the the, the dry land? Is it from a place of comfort and safety? No, Jonah finally turns back to God while he's inside the fish. He calls out to God from a place of discomfort. You see, comfort in life, easiness in life, it doesn't typically push us towards God. Comfort in life typically pulls us away from God because when life is easy, When there aren't any challenges, when it's smooth, when there aren't any problems, there's this tendency for us to just forget about God, to think that we've got it under control, to think that we have it all handled. Comfort produces this self-reliance in our lives. And God knows that sometimes the only way to get our attention, the only way to bring us back to him is for us to walk through a season of discomfort. A season of difficulty, a season of uncertainty where God breaks us. Now, I want to be very careful here. I'm not saying that if you are in a season of discomfort right now that God has caused it. I don't believe that. I don't believe God is the author or the creator of pain. But if you are in a season of discomfort right now, I do believe that God has allowed it. Because there's nothing that happens in this world that catches God by surprise. There's nothing that happens in your life that is outside of God's knowledge, outside of God's control. And if God has allowed this into your life for whatever reason, he has allowed it because he wants to use it in your life. Jonah is broken by his season of discomfort. And his brokenness, it leads to his repentance. He's done running, he's done resisting. He's finally ready to turn back to God. And listen to what Jonah prays. From inside the fish, inside this this season of discomfort, he says this, in my distress, in my brokenness, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called to God for help, and you listened to my cry. And verse 10 says this, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited, it spit Jonah onto dry land. Why did God break Jonah? Was it to punish him? Was it to try to get back at him? Was he trying to hurt him? Was he mad at him? God broke Jonah in order to restore him. You see, God breaks us so that he can fix us. God breaks us so that we can be made whole and complete. God breaks us so that we can be restored. I've uh, shared my story before on on a Wednesday night in the past, um, but I wanted to share it again tonight because this idea of, of being broken uh, is so central to, to my story. Um, I grew up here at, at, at Bell Shoals. I've been here since, since I was born. I went through children's ministry, student ministry, college ministry. I, I've been at Bell Shoals my entire life. And my parents, they were very involved here at, at Bell as well. And I grew up in a, in a home where both my parents, they, they loved the Lord, and they taught me to, to love the Lord as well. But growing up, my, my relationship with God, it almost functioned like like a business partnership. In, in my mind, the way I saw it was, if I hold up my end of the deal, if I do my part, then I expect God to hold up his end of the deal. I expect God to do His part. And the idea in my mind was this: if, if, if I'm a good person, if I obey my parents, I'm a good friend, if I do well in school, if I memorize my, my, my Bible verses on, on Sunday morning, well, then I expected God to bless me. I expected God to take care of me. I expected God to give me a good and an easy life. That was kind of my, my expectation, the deal I had made with God. And you see, this idea of God, it worked for the first 15 years of my life. I had a really easy life, it was really comfortable. It was good. There weren't challenges. There weren't frustrations. There weren't hardships. I had a good and easy life. But all of that changed during, during my freshman year of high school. On a, on a Saturday morning, me and my dad, we went out to, to play tennis together. I liked to play tennis. It was something we would do. So we went out to play tennis, and, and we got back to the house, and, and my mom and I, we could tell something was off with my dad. Something wasn't right. He, he, he was real pale. He, he, he was sweating, and, and we were like, man, this, this isn't normal. And my mom and dad, they, they kind of went back and forth for a few minutes, and eventually my mom said, look, uh, we're, we're, we're going to call 911. I'm going to call for an ambulance. We, we need to do something. So she gets on the phone. She calls 911, and while she's on the phone, I just hear this, this thud. And I, I turn around, and my, my mom yells, Matthew, your dad collapsed. So I run out to to the entryway of of, of my house and I see my dad, he's lying there, he's unconscious. My mom gets off the phone and and, and she starts to to perform CPR on on my dad. I pick up the phone, I go outside, I call 911 again. I say, we really need you to come quick. And within a couple of minutes, the the ambulance, they arrive and and they start to perform CPR on my dad and and they rush him off to, to the hospital. During all this, I had called a friend um, to, to come and pick me up because my mom was gonna be riding in the ambulance to, to the hospital. So my friend, he picks me up, I go back to his house and about an hour has passed since, since I left. So I, I, I remember it vividly, I, I walk out of my, my friend's house, I go onto the driveway and I call my mom and I'm just trying to figure out what, what's going on. And, and, and I call her and, and she answers, I'm like, what what's going on, what, what's happening? and i remember she said your dad is in heaven and in that in that moment everything around me my, my entire world it just it just shattered my my whole idea of of god it just crashed on the ground into just pieces everywhere and all i could think in my mind was why? Why would you let this happen? God, I held up my end of the deal. I did my part. You didn't come through. God, you have let me down. Why would you let this happen? And for the next 18 months of my life, I walked through a season of discomfort. I was angry with God. I was, I was depressed and just had, had no motivation to, to do anything. I felt alone and, and isolated. Like, I remember, I, I, I didn't want to go to school. From kindergarten through eighth grade, I never missed a single day of school. My freshman year of high school, I missed weeks. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to go to school. Halfway through the school year, I ended up just switching schools just because I, I needed a change. I didn't want to be at church And when I was there, I had a bad attitude. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And I began to put up all of these walls in my life. I began to resist God and try to keep him at a distance. But fortunately, during this time, God placed some very strategic people in my life. And one of those people was was my small group leader. And, and one day, we grab lunch together. He's just kind of checking in on me, seeing how I'm doing. And we're, we're sitting there having lunch. And I'll, I'll never forget it. He says, Matthew, I'm praying that God would break you. And in my head, I'm like, really? Like, w- what's wrong with you? Like, first of all, I don't even really know what that means. But that doesn't sound very pleasant like I just lost my dad, I I really don't need you to be praying for for God to break me. Why would you be praying something like that? But what I didn't realize in the moment is that God was already in the process of breaking me, of tearing down all the walls that I had put up, of, of stripping away and taking away all those things that I looked to for comfort and security. He was using, using this season of discomfort in my life to lead me back to him. And let me tell you, it was a long and messy process. It was a process filled with lots of questions, questions I still don't have the answers to. It was filled with lots of doubt. It was filled with lots of emotions. But God eventually led me to a place where I was completely broken. Broken. I had nowhere else to turn. I had nothing else to look to. All I had left was God. And 18 months after losing my dad, I finally got to the place where I was ready to surrender my life to Jesus. And here's what I realize now. God had to break me in order to fix me. And my brokenness led to my repentance. My brokenness led me to finally turn to Jesus and to be made whole and complete. Listen, students, I, I, I don't know what you're, you're facing right now in life. I don't know what you're walking through. And I don't know how long this season of discomfort that you may be in is going to last. But here's what I do know as long as you're in that season, God is still working. Because God does not waste the pain in our life. God does not waste the seasons of discomfort. And students, he wants to use this season to break you. Not because he's mad at you, not because he's trying to hurt you, but because he loves you and he wants you to turn to him and he wants you to be made whole and complete. He wants to put you back together. He wants to fix you. See, God uses seasons of discomfort to break us and to lead us to repentance. You know, this Friday, we celebrate a day that we refer to as as Good Friday. And it's the day that that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. And what you need to understand is that day was anything but good for Jesus. It was a day full of pain and suffering. It was a season of discomfort for Jesus. But listen to what Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 53. But Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed. He was broken for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Listen, Jesus was broken. He was crushed so that you could be healed. Jesus was broken so that you don't have to stay broken. And if right now you are in a season of discomfort, I believe that God is using that season to bring you back to him, to grow you, to mature you, to deepen your faith. And maybe he's using that season to lead you to him for the very first time. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you know, I recognize that a topic like this of of God breaking us and seasons of difficulty and pain, this isn't, isn't fun stuff to hear. It's not easy stuff to hear, but I know for some of you in this room, this is your reality right now. Your life is tough right now. Your life is uncertain right now. You're walking through a season of discomfort, and you don't know when it's going to end. And maybe you've begun to put up walls against God. Maybe you've been resisting him. Maybe you've been angry and doubting, and your heart has grown hard against God. You've become frustrated with God. And tonight, what God is trying to show you is I'm not trying to hurt you, but I need to break you in order to fix you. I need to break you in order to put you back together, to make you whole and make you complete. And so I just wonder, no, nobody's gonna be looking around. But if you would say, Matthew, t- tonight, I, I'm in that season that you're talking about. I'm walking through that right now. I'm struggling, I'm hurting, I don't know what to do. If you're in that season right now, I just want to ask that you would lift up your hand wherever you're seated. wherever you are. Hands all across the room. You can put your hand back down. I, want, I just want to take a minute to, to pray for you. God, we thank you that 2,000 years ago that you stepped out of heaven and you stepped into our mess, you stepped into our brokenness, And you were crushed, you were pierced, you were broken, God, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be healed. And Lord, I lift up the students in here tonight who are walking through these difficult seasons right now, who are searching for answers, who are hurting, who are overwhelmed. God, we thank you that you use these seasons in our life, that you don't waste them. And God, for anybody who's resisting you, who's putting up walls, who's running from you tonight, God, I pray that they would stop running, they would stop resisting, and God, that they would just break. That they would come to that place of complete and total dependence, God, where all they have is you. God, because it's in that moment where you begin to restore us, you begin to fix us, you begin to heal us. So God, we ask... God, not that you necessarily change our situations, but God, we ask that you would break us, that you would lead us to repentance. God, that you would heal us and restore us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.